And when I looked closer, there was a, a Sasquatch face on the other side, and uh, it was looking right back in at us. Staring back at me is a silhouette of a very, very giant monkey. An intriguing discovery is being investigated in a community east of Seattle. Someone came across a lengthy trail of extremely large footprints. They are up there. Welcome, everyone. You've tuned into the Nicola Valley Bigfoot Podcast, a place where your encounters are told. To share your encounter and to be on the show, email me at nicolavalleybigfoot at gmail.com. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. Hey, I'm MK Davis. I'm going to talk a little bit about some Bigfoot encounters that I have had personally uh, in my uh, my career of, of searching for or pursuing Bigfoot and Bigfoot evidence. Um, and I've had uh, encounters that range from uh, Louisiana to uh, to the wilds of Northern California. Uh, in the Bluff Creek area. And I'll just talk a little bit first about the Bluff Creek area. It, uh, um, at one point, um, I decided, me and a friend had decided to walk up the 2.1 miles from the Bluff Creek Bridge near Louse Camp to the Patterson Film Zone. Just literally get in the bed of the creek and walk it, walk up the creek. And uh, we got we got close to the site and started uh, approaching the site, maybe 500 yards from the site. Uh, I looked down and there was a rock stack of rocks in the bed of the creek. Uh, it was one, two, three. Uh, the small one was a pebble, a little little disc. And the second one was a much larger stone. And the first one was larger than that, uh, like a cairn. Well, I noticed that the the sand stuck to the top of the rock was still wet. Uh, what, what whoever had pulled it up had, you know, it's in the bed of the creek, and you disturb the sand a little bit, and you get a little moisture with it. Um, I looked at it. I saw the hole where one of the rocks had been pulled out of the sand and I knew this was very very fresh and and far as I know there was no one down there but us uh, so we proceeded on and when we got to the film site uh, I was up ahead of my friend my friend was setting up his camera he was going to do some recording from a tripod and he had the tripod uh, and he was fastening the camera to the tripod and we heard a, a whack, uh, like a, a wood on wood, and it was just right there. And uh, I looked underneath the brush, and I could see a figure walking along the hillside. And he said that he could hear it mumbling or something, but I I could not. I, I, I My ears are... 
I'll spend a lifetime around loud machinery, and this, they're not uh, what they should be right now. But at, at, at any rate, uh, I consider that to be my my first encounter in that area. Uh, I, 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 yeah, that was the first encounter. Did, was it trying to scare you away when it uh, did that tree knock? You know, I, I don't. I didn't get that impression. Uh, you could hear a reverb. We were so close that you could hear a reverb. You know, the stick was solid, yeah. and it kind of gave a little twang. Uh, I, I, I believe that it was alerting others. I mean, I, I, that's my impression. I wasn't frightened or scared, uh, and and that was uh, I didn't see it again. Um, now that. That was in the bed of the creek at the Patterson film site. So I mean, it that by itself was made it a spe- very special thing for yeah. me. But, and then another time in 2008, well, I, I had two friends with me, uh, Don Monroe and Ken Hiddens, and they were with me. And we had been trying to go up this mountainside behind the Patterson film site. And actually, it's the same mountainside that I saw this one. You know, but walking alongside, you know, up on the hillside, uh, and we we made our way up it, and we uh, it ended up getting so steep that you could literally reach out in front of you and touch it with your fingertips, and we kind of crawled up it, um, and we got there was a stream coming down the mountainside. And it just cascaded down, and it was really, really rough stuff up in there. And we got about maybe two thirds of the way up to this place where we were going, and and uh, we came up on these uh, culverts, these big road culverts that had been tossed, rolled down the hill, and had wrapped around trees and stuff. And been there a long time. And I had read about these culverts. These were the culverts that they claimed the Bigfoot threw down the mountainside back in the late 50s when they were trying to construct that road. Oh, I remember hearing about that. Yeah, I remember yeah. I remember that story, yeah. Well, you can, I took pictures, so you can count that story to be true. At least the, the, the culverts were true. Um. We, we went on up the hillside, and we found a, a, this old, old logging road that was grown up. And we found this, what I considered to be a lair. Uh, it was a flat, upon that 45 or 50 degree slope, was this completely flat area. And that same little creek cascaded right through it, the middle of it. And the, the floor was carpeted with ferns. And... It was just a good-sized room in there, uh, completely hidden. And it was a deer carcass in there and tracks, fresh tracks all in there. Wow. And uh, so we sat down, and and they, they ate lunch there. And both of my friends have foot problems, and they their feet were bothering them. And one of them had polio as a child and had a bone removed and he was given a problem. So 
I told him, I said, I'm going to go ahead and go back down, and uh, I'll wait on y'all to come down, and I'll film y'all when you come down, you know. So I went on down, and I, I crossed the creek and went to the other side, and, and uh, there's a little trail on the other side, a game trail, and I followed it, and it's kind of out of sight of the creek, but just barely. And I made my way back up to about where our vehicles were. And uh, I went back out into the creek. And I just sat there going, wait on them. I'm standing in the creek. And I'm filming first upstream, then downstream. Just generally filming. And what I didn't realize was that there was a Sasquatch right right there on the right-hand side in the shade of a tree. And he his back was to me, and he was had something white in his hands, like a cloth uh, or maybe a leather or something. It's, it's hard to tell with video because of, there's, there was brightness just past the, the shade. You know, the sun came down through the through there, and the camera irises do funny things. You know, it it the iris closes a little bit and throws that shade into real. You know, makes it a lot darker than it was. I'm looking through a four inch uh, video screen, and uh, I didn't see it as it happened live, and so. Uh, I walked back toward where they were going to come out of the creek. And I walked, this thing, uh, it, it heard me, because later on when I saw it on the video, I heard two rocks clack together. I did not hear them live, but I heard them on the video. Uh, they clacked, you know, real pop, pop. Yeah. And, uh, and when, it, when it did that, it backed up under the bush. Uh, and I, you, I took a still shot down the creek, and on the right right edge of the of the photo, you can see its knees sticking out from under the brush. Um, and I walked within ten feet of it. It never moved, never made a sound. Wow! I had no idea it was there. And uh, the, my friends came down. And I was filming Don Monroe, and he sat down on the bank of the creek and got out an apple and started, you know, peeling it and eating apple. And all of a sudden, he looks over there where that thing was. And I caught him on, on a still shot looking. And I asked him later when I realized what was there, you know, after I saw the video, uh, did he hear or see anything? He said, no, uh, he said, I'm not sure what made me look, but he was looking with all kind of intensity up in there, and he was looking straight at it. Um, never saw it. It never moved. Wow. And uh, in the video, it's wrapping up something in the cloth. It's, it's it, Whatever it's got, it's, it's bound up in that cloth, and whatever it is is animated because you can see it moving, you know, the, shaking the cloth. Uh, and 
And this this thing was it had huge feet. The feet were just disproportionately long. Uh, it was sitting with the with the feet, you know, the ankle on the ground, not the the foot bottom sticking up. And and you could see the tops of the foot from my angle, and you could even see the toenails. Uh, and and so that's about a, maybe a quarter mile upstream from the Patterson film site. You've really dove into um, the Patty footage and the whole entire area of Bluff Creek. Is that what really got you into the whole Sasquatch world, like the Bigfoot world? What was was the Patty footage? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I got kind of interested in it. I was doing astrophotography. That's taking space pictures, you know, with a telescope. And it's kind of a specialized type of photography where you do timed photos and you track your subject because it's moving target, you know, going across the sky. And uh, and you learn things about film, film sensitivities, uh, things like that, how to rescue faint detail from from objects, you know, that you can barely see and sometimes objects you can't even see. And uh, when I saw a couple of really clear images from the from the uh, Patterson film on the internet, and you know how the internet is, it's it's like a repository of everything. And and in the old days, you know, yeah, you weren't able to get things out easily. But with the internet, it's, it's almost like a constant leak. Uh, and these things leaked out from their source. And they were so good. And I, I told myself, I said, this doesn't even resemble that dark, shaky, grainy thing that you see on TV. I mean, uh, you can't get a good picture from a bad film. So that told me that there was a much better film somewhere and that I felt like that if I could get my hands a hold to those images, that I could improve them using the same techniques that I knew how for the space photos and just remove all the, the lensing defects and things like that and, and let the film tell its own story, uh, good or bad. And so I began an inquiry and, and my inquiry took me to people up in Canada and California and other places and eventually traveled up there and met people. Uh, I gave a little presentation at a conference up there and uh, made some contacts. And next thing you know, the images started to appear. Uh, so it took me several years to get the, enough images to put the film back together. Uh, I, one of the main things about a piece of film like that is that it's shaky and it's hard for the eye and the brain to work together on a, on a footage that's got more than one plane of motion. You know, that's why the, they sell you a gimbal nowadays to, call, to hold the thing still. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's, that's a, uh, I, I I was able to hand stabilize it. Uh, just a lot of work, but it was you know superior quality. I took I removed lensing defects like chromatic aberration, 
where an inexpensive lens without enough elements will, will focus all the colors in different points. You'll have some that's sharp and some that's fuzzy. So the fuzzy ones contribute to unsharpness of the, of the overall image. So you remove that, you filter it out, and then you display what you have left that's all sharp uh, and do it in black and white because the color is affected when you remove the color. But uh, that's what I did. And in the late one night, about well, the wee hours of the morning, about two, maybe three in the morning, I hit preview and my jaw dropped. Okay. And just how really good that film was when you when you put it in its best form. So was there any uh, any details that, you know, previously people kind of overlooked or, or, or didn't really notice before until the enhancements came out? Like, was there anything new that surprised you about that footage that, that you found? Well, there were, there were plenty. Uh, one of the first things that I noticed was that it wasn't as hairy as, as it originally appeared. It originally appeared to be homogenous across the surface. Uh, uh, when the, the the hair tones and the skin tones are not exactly the same, so it gives the analyst the opportunity to create a divergence between the two, and then you can see the difference between the skin and the hair, and you realize that it's only it's it's kind of just haired over. Uh, there's certain places where it has more hair and certain places where it has none. Uh, so that was kind of surprising to me. And then you can see musculature, the biomechanics. Uh, as she turned to walk away, you can see the scapula under the skin, you know, and that roll of skin as the arm swung. Oh, yes. Yeah, uh, and, uh, and you can see the muscles up and down the back. And uh, th these are the things that you see every day in life when you look at people, you know, with it, when they're not wearing a shirt. Uh, people, especially people that, have, that are you know, physically strong, you know, they've worked out, uh, that have the, uh, the enhanced muscle, musculature. But uh, it, it, that I see, I could see her ear People had always complained that you couldn't see an ear, but in a few frames, the, the head hair blows off the ear. The, the, the wind is about eight to nine miles per hour at her back, and as she turned, it caught that wind and blew off above, blew the hair above the ear, and you could see it for several frames, and then it goes, the hair falls back down over it. Uh, the, the ear was uh, kind of an, I, I won't say, uh, there are people who have ears like that, but it had very little earlobe. Uh, it was more like a round ear. Like a chimpanzee's almost? Uh, or, or? Well, I, I really, I'm not a primatologist, so I really don't know. But uh, if, you, if you know anybody that wants to look at it, just uh, see if they can tell. Uh, it's 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 kind of, it's, it's a small earlobe. I mean, you you probably could hang an earring in it, but it would, you'd have to be careful, you know. Yeah, and then you have to try to try to get the earring in the Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, it's just a little, a little, little piece of fat, you know. Yeah. There's not much to it. Yeah. No, I've always heard rumblings and rumors about you know two or three other Sasquatch that were in the in the paddy footage that didn't weren't weren't made out or they weren't made and in, got into frame. Was there any indication of that that you found in in, in cleaning up the video? Well, the, I, there was something behind one of the stumps that that shows up on the right and left side of it as she walks by, uh, like like it was struggling to stay hidden. Uh, a little bit stuck out, and then it went back in, and it stuck out on the other side a little bit, and went back in. Uh, and and that was in the, one of the stumps in the background. And then uh, there's further down the sandbar toward the end of the film, there's some activity going on there that sure has the appearance of being another one. Uh, but you know, you're looking far away with a with a small end, you know, yeah. so uh, there are always objections that can be, you know, raised about resolution and angular resolution and all that. But what I found to be the case um, with, with this film is that we were seeing things that people were saying we should not be seen. So they began to, to say, well, it's, it's your eyes, but uh, I, I, sir, I'm a trained observer. I know what I'm seeing is not my eyes. Uh, so I stuck with my guns on it, and and to me, uh, it, it, it's what it amounted to was bad information, and that bad information is still out there. That this. They were so far away from the subject, probably wrong. Uh, they were, uh, they had this lens, probably wrong. I, I, this is what you have to say. You have to say what's on the film. If I can see it on the film and recognize it, then there must be a reason why. If I see a nose where a nose is supposed to be, then you need to come up with a reason why I'm seeing that nose. Don't, don't tell me I'm not seeing it. You know? Yeah. Uh, so uh, it took me a long time to come up with any, with answers. They say, well, the, the subject is only 1.8 millimeter on the film. Well, I, I say, at what point was it 1.8 millimeter? Because it's walking left to right away from the subject. It's big on the left side and a little tiny on the right. You know, uh, you go to the left side and it's way bigger than 1.8 millimeters. You go to the right side, it's way smaller. J just like anyone else who walks away from a camera. Uh, see, I, when you hear stuff like that, you know you're, you're not listening to, you're listening to regurgitated stuff. It's it's not uh that these people clearly didn't know what they were talking about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so if I see if I on the left side when she's way bigger than one point eight, I I can see uh her teeth or something like that, and then they go quote well the right side and say well she's so small on there you can't no I don't want to hear that. <laughs> she had the same teeth on the right that she did on the left so you know. 
uh, bingo. Uh, I've, I've picked up footprints in the film that were not ever seen before. Uh, just, uh, just you know, just, the list goes on and on and on about what was on the film. Uh, you may have to use some filtration or something to get that image to pop, you know, uh, to get the, the proper amount of contrast. Uh, you can sharpen it by filtration as well. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful film, and it's certainly not a bad film. And I, that's what I was hearing when I first started, that don't try it. Everyone's done everything they can to it. No one's able to improve it. It's not, Don't even get give it a try. Uh, and, and that none of that was true. None of it. Well, I'm glad that you you know you didn't listen to the to the critics and the naysayers and and, and not move forward with it because I I have seen your footage and it is wow great. Um, have you had a chance to speak to Mr. Gimlin about about any of it? Yeah, I've spoken to Bob a bunch of times. We've had some long conversations late at night about this. You know, he's given me his insights. Uh, you know, we I've had some problems with his story. But, but I don't have any problem with the fact that he was there and that he saw one of the most yeah. fantastic things that you could ever see. Uh, yeah, they're definitely life-changing, that's uh, for sure. Yeah, and I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to, trying to uh, dispute his story. You know, it, it's, I, I'll just say this, that, that it's impossible for it to be true completely. You know the 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 timelines cannot be followed uh, that he gave. So you know uh, that that's not to say first thing that a skeptic does, and they realized this way back in the early days after they took this stand, that those timelines could not be followed. You can't you can't go back this far back in that creep and come out with the film send it off on a Friday from the airport and show it on a Sunday when it only has a, it has a minimum of two week turnaround time. It was a type of film. It was, it was code of color to, uh, if I told you how that film was processed, I mean, you would, you wouldn't believe it. It, 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 they, they had the technicians all sworn to secrecy, non-disclosure, you know, it was the second best film Kodak made, the only one available that good to the average person. Uh, so they weren't aware of that. Uh, so when they told their story, it, 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 people who were aware of it immediately raised an objection. You know, they you can't show this. You can't take it on a Friday and show it on a Sunday. It has to be. There were only two places in the United States that that processed it. Uh, so I had to make up my mind whether I what did I want to do with that information. You know, I, I I'm, I'm looking at this film in its best form, and it is clearly real. Uh, yeah, but it, it's it, it's neither here nor there with me, really. Uh, you know, uh, I I do happen to know the reason for the story, you know, being sanitized, but it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with hoaxing. Uh, so 
it's it's it becomes a neither here nor there with me. Uh, I, I see enough of the film that it really doesn't require anyone to vouch for it. The the storyline, whatever it is, doesn't even matter. Uh, it's it's just that good a film, and it, it's a film of something that that it, the experts may never work it out. But I hope that I have been uh, uh, in some way helpful for trained people to look at this and uh, in its best form, not not the grainy, shaky one, but in its best form, and and, and give a, a good evaluation of it. Because it did not get that in the early days. Uh, so it, it's, it's, it didn't get its due. Yeah. And I think even 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 today, there's still a lot of people that say that 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 footage is is fake and, and hoaxed and, and everything else. Even even despite you know all, all the work that people have put in, such as yourself, uh, how how long did you invest into the patty footage? Yeah, well, I, I started probably about uh, mid nineties, uh, and even today, if if something else new comes out, some new processing or or new, I'll do. I'll redo the whole thing to try to gain a little more uh, sharpness or a little better fidelity. Uh, uh, because I know that each time you're able to do that, you're able to find more things going on with it, and uh, it's just worth it's worth doing. Um, so yeah, it, it's uh, it, it continues on to to till now. Uh, and 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 I've learned enough of that, you know. I've also added to it my own personal experiences and what I've been able to glean from visiting the site and and the area. And so I think I have a pretty well-rounded picture of life as a Sasquatch in Northern California. You know. Now, is that the reason that you got into the whole analyzing footage and, and audio tracks and everything else is just from the patty footage? Well, well, I mean, I I, I want to give things their due. Uh, you know, if I get if I get something, somebody sends me something that that intrigues me, that you know, that it's it's kind of talking to you. Uh, I want to find out everything I can about it, the circumstances around it, people who did it, uh, and if, if is this gonna reap dividends you know uh, uh what i mean by dividends is knowledge um and if it if i determine you know from a precursory examination that it, this will could possibly reap those those dividends then i want to give it its due uh you know whatever whatever you know it's just it's labor uh and and not every piece of footage or every camera lens does the same thing you know the the film that and the film set up with the patterson's camera uh may not be the same as with some of the the east texas videos which was a much more you know more recent yeah it, it probably had probably had nine elements in the lens you know well patterson's may have had only two uh so you know that type of thing 
there's also the the surprises uh, when I had uh, when I was having some of the original transparencies um, scanned at, at this uh, professionally scanned at Photo House in Yakima, Washington. Uh, the guy there told me that it was his dad that rented Patterson his cameras. Oh. I said, really? Uh, he said, yeah. I, I said, cameras? And, and he said, yeah. He rented him two cameras, one a K100, that's Kodak, the, and the other was a Bolex professional film camera with sound. Uh so the next question is, <laughs> you see what I mean when people kept telling you you shouldn't be seeing these things, you need to just be quiet? Yeah. Uh, you don't don't ever listen to them. <laughs> because then you find out there's two cameras there. You don't know which one he used. <laughs> the, I, the Bolex was plenty capable of that kind of resolution. Uh so that's why you just stick to your gun. You go with what you see on the film. Somebody telling me, you're, you're not seeing that. You can't be seeing that. It's only 1.8 millimeter. I said, at what point is it 1.8 millimeter? Is it left or right? Uh, you know, it's only one spot that is 1.8 millimeter, one frame. Uh, it, it, it's, it, grows, it grows big on the left. It shrinks a little on the right. Uh, then what if it's done with a Bolex? So the Bolex has got it's what you call angular resolution. Uh, that a, uh, a, a camera lens uh, it goes by the aperture, how big an opening it has, and you draw a triangle from one side of the lens to the subject and back to the other side of the lens, and it's the the amount of area in that triangle that determines your angular resolution. And angular resolution is sharpness. <laughs> and if you've got a bigger lens, you're going to get a sharper image. And that's the way it works with telescopes or any lens or reflector or mirrors. You really um, dove you, you you really dove pretty deep into analyzing sound and audio or, or sorry uh, video and audio. Um, now I want to ask you specifically about some audio that you released on your YouTube channel of uh, of uh, some language or some chatter that that the Sasquatch are doing. I, I don't know the backstory of where you got the audio from. If you wouldn't mind, could you share that with us? Yeah, I, I hesitate to call it language, even though it sounds like language, but uh, it very possibly could be just mimicry. Uh, I talked to the, uh, some of the people who were there, and they said that you know, they were always trying to find some new and inventive way of getting a response from the Sasquatch. And they decided they were going to test the Sasquatch just to see if they could get it to say a word. So they spent oh, a month, uh, hollering out their own names and hollering out phrases over and over and over into the woods. And then the Sasquatch did begin to repeat them back. Uh, and so uh, it con they continued to repeat those names and phrases for the rest of the duration of the thing, even when they had stopped trying to teach them. Uh, and they use sometimes they'd use different voices. They go, buddy. You know, one of them's name was Buddy. You go, buddy, buddy. You know, I, I'm not sure it knew what it was saying. You know, it, it was just, uh, 
mimicry, and I think that was their impression too. Um, and I I owned a parrot, so I was well acquainted with mimicry, you know. Um, so uh, I don't. I what I'm what I'm saying is that it's, it's it's really hard to. It's only a language if you can speak it, and be spoken, recognized, and spoken back to. You know, interchange. Uh, I don't think that ever occurred. Do you think that um, Do you think that the Sasquatch do have a language though, like other than you know the mimicry that they were doing with these researchers? But I mean, do you think that they have their own kind of language, given you know the different types of audio that have kind of surfaced on the internet over the years? Do you think there's a language that the that the forest people speak? I I, I think there's it's possible. Uh, you know, I I, I I don't know why they would be mute. You know, they have every other tool that a human being has. You know, you just look at Patty. She's got, you know, uh, uh, arms, legs, everything that a human being's got. You know, uh, now, what's in that vocal tract? I don't know. I can see in there, but uh, it, I, I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't have a reason to disbelieve that. And I would definitely would not be surprised, but I'm here to tell you that they don't, they don't, you know, just readily reveal where they are, you know, which is, that's kind of what, you know, making sounds will do. You know, if you make, especially if you make a loud sound, uh, you know, that, that just kind of goes counter current to what I've seen of them. Mostly they, they stay quiet. Yeah, yeah, and there's a little bit of a paradox when it comes to, you know, the howls and the whoops and, and tree knocks, even tree knocks, you know, I've always been... There's one, other, there's one other case on the East Texas videos where they're being filmed and they're not repeating names, and and it's definitely kind of a language. I'll see if I can find it for you and play it for you if you want. Oh, that'd be great, yeah. Now, hold on here. Sure. The, the the setting is that they have put food out for them, and they have it in a ice chest, and they put a camera on the ice chest, and it runs all the time, and it's got an infrared light that shines down on the little table, and and uh, what has happened is that the the camera is there's some there's some cedar branches in front kind of off right there in front of the camera. And he's looking through the cedar branches at the table, and they reflected the infrared back because the iris to close and everything out on the table got dark, but you can still see it. And he comes up, oddly enough, he backs up to the table. He does he does not show his front side. He backs up to it. You can see his his, his heels, and he reaches across the table and drags. This uh, this ice chest to the other end of the table where it's dark, and then the, another one is back there, and they begin this conversation. Uh, let me just play it from there. Okay. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Are you, are you ready? I'm ready. Thank <laughs> you. 
okay, that's it. Wow. Um, that that really sounds like a word, conversation to me. It, it did to me, too. Uh, but I can understand only one, uh, two words, two words. One was Enoch, which is a biblical name, but I, I don't think that it's said in reference to the Bible. I, it seemed to be in conversation about that food. Um, and then he said, no, 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 you know, yeah. which I take to be no, you know, uh, so I, I, I don't really know the rest of it to me with gibberish, you know, I, I Bigfoot speak, you know, I, I don't know what it means. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think many people kind of understand. Well, I don't think anybody speaks Bigfoot to be honest with you, but that really did sound like some kind of back and forth that we're having a discussion on. I'm assuming what they're, how they were going to divide the food that was in the in the cooler. Uh, I can only, uh, you know, we can only. Something related to that food. Uh, I know one thing that he he certainly appeared to see the infrared light. Uh, he he wouldn't show his face to it, and he backed up to it, and he, then he definitely pulled that ice chest out of that light. Uh, so. That tells me a little bit that that their eyes are, are sensitive enough to to even that wavelength. Well, when he spoke, he he spoke. Well, let's listen to it one more time. You just tell me what you think. Okay. Now these little squeaks and stuff are artifacts from the cleanup, you know. Uh, but but the, you can hear the words. That is amazing. Big foot at the ice ice chest. It was a lot more than just that. That was a clip. Yeah. Do do you think that they, they, because they're nocturnal, that, you know, they can see the infrared, they're more sensitive to the infrared lighting? Uh, You know, I don't know the answer to that. (laughs) I I just know that he seemed to see it because of his, the action that he took. Yeah. so, you know, I, I I I don't even know that they actually ate the food. Uh, I couldn't actually see it. He took it back there in the dark. Uh, I didn't hear anything opening, you know, uh, or anything like that. You know, I didn't hear any shuffling around of, of food or anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Still fascinating, though. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, you hear the, the power in the voice, though. You can feel that. Uh, that that frequency down, you know, it's kind of an rumbly part of the frequency range. Yeah, uh, core, very coarse. Another word he said uh, was Yah. He got Enoch Yah, and and you could interpret Yah as yes, but you know it, that sounds, you know, you know what 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 language uses Yah? 
maybe uh, Swedish or you know Nordic. Uh, I don't know. Well, I, I think uh, maybe yes, and and yeah, it could be. It's pretty universal, wouldn't wouldn't you think? Like English, Spanish, yeah, French. Yeah, yeah, you know. could be. Could be. Yeah, it's hard to uh, say, but it's still very fascinating so, yeah. to hear them talk. Yeah, it's open for interpretation. I mean, I've I've listened to it a bunch, but I mean, I I'm not an expert in that. And, you know, I I'd rather clean it up where an expert can listen to it. You know, uh, and maybe tell us something about it. Yeah, that's still Good pretty. That's still pretty amazing. Amazing uh, conversation that they're having, though. I I, I don't get many. Uh, I don't hear a lot of you know very clear. Uh, audio footage of them speaking so that was pretty that was really nice thank you so much well you're welcome I, that's a cleaned up version of it the other one had a lot of uh you know uh, tops and uh you know it's all uh what you call it a vhs tape oh you know those days yeah um but you know it's, it's pretty easy to clean up yeah. you know you get a few artifacts but not not too many yeah MK, let me ask you this this question here. Um, like, even with the cleanup audio and the cleanup video, you know, all, all the footage and the witnesses that come forward and all that, and and you know, tell them about their encounters. And there's thousands of them. And what do you think it's going to take for, you know, mainstream science? And I use that term very loosely to um, accept Bigfoot as an actual living, breathing creature that's living in the forest. That's a good question. I'm going to tell you something. We live in the digital age now, and you know that they, they anything can be done with manipulated with digital. Uh, they even have an app that you can put a Bigfoot in your video. You know, just an app on your phone. So, you know, what will it take? I'd say if you were going to film one and try to use your film as evidence, then you better have someone film you while you're filming uh, so that you can get two different films of the event so that uh, people can have some confidence in it. Uh, otherwise, I say, and I, I don't like saying this, but uh, something physical off of the Bigfoot, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and it, I don't, it's, people don't favor killing them mostly some people say it's necessary and, and maybe it is but uh uh in in those rare instances sometimes where where maybe you have come upon an orphaned one that would probably be the best case scenario uh, a, a small young one that has already orphaned for some reason uh would be the moral uh, the moral equivalent to the perfect case, you know, you're helping it and it's giving back proof. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not one to, so, I'm not for killing to prove they exist. I really am not. I, I, I don't think they could do it. And B, if you, if you do manage to put a bullet in one, you got problems. You're, you're dealing with a whole, a whole other whack of problems after you've actually put a bullet in, into one. And now you've got, it's family to deal with. So I, I really don't advocate for shooting one, not unless you're, you're going in with tanks. Well, and... I mean, there's, there's a, there's a moral question too. And that people are unsure of, I mean, what, what, what is it that you have just killed? If you kill one, you know, uh, 
what, is there humanity here or what? You yeah. know, uh, it, it, I don't know that you could put it on your hood driving down, you know, <laughs> without getting in a, sort of a bag of trouble. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a, it, the best case scenario, it's, you know, it, it may never happen is uh, find an orphaned one. Uh, if you found one that was already dead, I doubt seriously do because they do something with them. I mean, they 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 have a, a little clique or a social order. They they don't you will never find a bigfoot. I mean, if you did, I mean, uh, something really odd going on. Yeah, uh, just, I, walk, just walk across a dead one. Hey, that ain't never happened. Well. Uh... I don't mean to contradict you, but sir, but I did an episode with a gentleman a few months ago, uh, him and his friend as children were playing in the Washington woods. And there was one that was, it fell down a ravine or something. It must've slipped cause it was fresh rainfall, I guess. And the ground was slippery. And they said that they saw a, a dead one laying on the ground. Like it must've just, just happened. Um, I'll send you a link to that episode. If you want to listen to it, it's kind of a fascinating story. Sure. Opportunity not, not. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's Yeah, his friend, his friend knew what it was, and he knew that they had to get out of there. So, you know, they... the, the same thing happened to the uh, to the miners back in nineteen twenty four, I believe it was, in the Eight Canyon. Oh yeah, they he... shot one, and it fell over a cliff, but it was not there. It had been retrieved. Others retrieved it. Uh, so you'd almost have to be right there. And you might have to fight off the others, you know, if while you were trying to get it. Uh, I'm sure they just seem to be, uh, you know, care a lot for each other. Yeah. yeah. And that kind of tells you a little bit about their social structure as well, right? I mean, they're more quote unquote human than we, we give them credit for, I, I think. I mean, I think they, they, they do have a lot of tendencies that mirror our own. Uh, but so, so do some other animals that they call man like. Uh, you know your higher primates. They they also possess some of our tools. Yeah. Uh, doesn't make you a man or a woman, but uh, you know uh, the the Bigfoot. Uh, you know the Indians all say that they they kidnap women and they've been known to produce or procreate with women. You know modern man, modern human women. Uh, and and put and produce an offspring before and and uh, I knew a guy named Ed Foosh who wrote a book called Stickmen of the of the uh, Povils. Have you ever heard of it? I've heard of it. I've heard his name actually. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Ed Foosh is a, a really brilliant person. He had like five master's degrees, uh, and he he did an interview at this reservation there, and they had a person there that. They swore was the offspring of a Sasquatch union between a Sasquatch and a woman, and a modern human one, one of them, one of that tribe. Uh, and he was a, a diminutive person. He wasn't large. He was actually short and small, a, a really smart person, but physically unhealthy, and he died uh, early in his life. He didn't live to be old. Wow. 
I'm going to have to look into that story. I, 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 I haven't heard that one before. Yeah, I'm going to look into that after we're, uh, we're done here. He went there. He asked questions. They answered his questions, and they got to that subject, and they said, well, we have somebody here. You know, uh, so, you know, I, I, it's seeing, it's believing. I didn't get to see him or meet him or anything. But he had unusually large ears. Uh, they said they were they were ill ill shaped. They were kind of stuck out. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to look into that subject a little bit more because I I find that part amazing because I, I I I've heard those stories and I've heard you know you know the Sasquatch kidnap women and drag them out and to the forest and then that's where they well, yeah but. Yeah, the the Hoopas told me the same thing. They said, you know, down through their history, their of interactions with Sasquatch, when the Sasquatch used to be at the lower altitudes, there was a lot of kidnapping going on. Uh, they didn't like Sasquatch at all, and and they trade tried to trade with them, you know, and be friendly, but they couldn't do it. They said they were unreliable and and. Uh, and, and just kind of, uh, they, they wouldn't keep their end of the bargain. It was kind of sorry, you know, and then they wanted to kidnap your women on top of that. Oh, huh. uh, wow. That sounds human, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Actually, it sounds too human. <laughs> uh, but they, but they, they didn't, you know, they could, they could, wasn't an easy thing to have offspring now. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, they may. It wasn't anything you really had to worry about, except maybe one in a hundred, you know, kidnappings. Uh, so, you know, it's odd, really odd for her to come back pregnant, you know. Uh, so uh, it's it's uh, it, it's not a re- readily readily compatible relationship. No, I uh, guess it'd be more like lions and tigers. Something, something inside that's a little bit different on the Sasquatch and it, <laughs> all you have to do is look at them to tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah they're, they're a little bit different they're, than us. <laughs> they're, they're, they're close enough for once in a while, yeah. you know, but well, MK, I want to, uh, yeah. I want to ask you one final question before I, I, I let you go on this beautiful Thursday morning. Well, afternoon now, um, I want to ask you about this white, Bigfoot that you got footage of. I, I need I need to hear more about this because this is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, that that also came from the cameras. Of, uh, actually, the man who uh, I talked to him at length about it uh, after I, I stabilized it and everything. Uh, it's it's uh, one that it's one that was filmed in East Texas, and it was. Uh, well, I called him Whitey. That's what I called him. Uh, he shows up on five or six different videos at different places. Uh, uh, one time I seen him around the barn, and another in that particular case, he's farther out. Um, he seems to be like maybe uh, a dominant one, you know. Uh, uh, he seems to, you know, I saw him pointing one time. He was just pointing. It was pouring down rain, but you could see him still pointing. 
uh, like he was ordering somebody or something, you know. Mm. Um, he but he got down on all fours, and that's what caught my attention uh, because that's something that's odd and very difficult for a human being to do. I mean, I would pull both my hamstrings trying to to take off running on all fours, stretching out like that and pulling up my legs past my head. I just, you know, that's, that's odd. I mean, that's really odd. And it, 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 it lends credibility to it, to me in my estimation, because it's, a, it's what you kind of want out of a piece of video and you want to see them do something that that's not easy for us to do, to pull off, to get in a suit and then pull your legs, stretch them out, and then pull them back up past your head and push and pull like that. Did it look like uh, it was kind of contorting its body almost? Like, did it look like, like it was popping joints out to, to drop down to all fours? Do, do you kind of know what I yeah, mean? It, it, it looked like the hips kind of went crazy, you know, uh, which I'm not, a, I'm not an anatomist. You know, I, I don't know what it would take to, to have something like that. Even when he was upright, his hips still kind of swung wide, you know. Uh, it kind of gave him a floating look like he was, um, people claimed that he was on a bicycle, but I looked at it extensively, as close as I possibly could, and there was, there was no bicycle under him. He just seemed to kind of glide, you know. Uh, and he goes down in this creek, and goes up the other bank and never checked up. I mean, never lost any speed. Uh, and somebody was saying, well, there must be a bridge. There must be a bridge over the creek. I went there. I went there. There was no bridge there. I went to the spot. I stood down in the creek, and it was deep. It was probably 15 or 20 feet deep. And he went down in there and up the other side and never checked up. Never His speed never decreased. So there was no like um, no head bobbing. You know how a person walks and like you, shoulders and your your head goes right, up and down. Right. There was nothing small, like that. Small. Kind of a weird glide. Wow, wow. And how big he do you was, think it was? Like if you had to, you know, guesstimate. Uh, I'd say well, I had the cow there, but the cow's back toward the camera. Uh, that cow wasn't, you know, didn't make any attempt to run, but when, but when uh. These two smaller cows, younger cows, came up. They ran like mad. Uh, if you watch the whole, it's, it's a pretty long video. Uh, then you see you see him walking over to the right, and he goes out of the field of view. And then he, you hear a vocalization. Uh, he goes, it said, he goes, "Put the head," just like just like that, just it's like a like a farmer calling his cows or something. Wow! And then he comes around. He comes around behind the camera, and you hear, hear him walking. I don't know that he was doing that on purpose, but he he just followed the wood line, you know, around. Um, and he's going. I think he was going from one of those buckets to the other, you know, looking for food. They were they were putting confections up in the buckets, those five gallon buckets. Oh, okay. They had them nailed to the nailed to the trees. Uh, you can see them in the video. Uh, it's one anyway, uh, and they would put like candy bars stuff in there, you know. 
uh, fried, you know, fried apple pies, and uh, just you know anything they could get, you know, interaction with, you know, um, and so they by this by the time you see the Wadi video, they have they had gotten a pretty good uh, relationship going there, you know, with the food and all, uh, and they they would they would just leave the cameras running. They just put, they get the biggest battery they can get for it and just cut it on and leave it running. And, and uh, it seemed to do better than trying to, you know, get some motion detector or anything like that. It didn't seem to work. Hmm. Well, that goes back to uh, if they can see, you know, infrared light. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what motion detectors work off of. Yeah, and I I, th- I think they can. Uh, I think they have their, their eyesight has evolved. Yeah, I think their eyesight has evolved differently than than ours, obviously. And they, you know, they've adapted to living in the dark and in the forest. And so I I, I I'm fairly confident to say that they can. They probably can see different spectrums of light than than we can. So more than likely, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that, that, we know we're pretty. And, and I hate to use the term lame. But <laughs> in, 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 compared to the animal kingdom, you know, some of the things animals do, uh, humans are, are not, you know, we kind of uh, wussy, you know. Yeah, yeah. We're evolving uh, the other way. We're smart. Yeah. We're smart. And we, we're able, we overcome a lot of that, you know. So that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's our, our saving grace is that we eventually can get there. We may have to put together a machine. Uh, but we we can see like they can see. Yeah, yeah. Well, MK, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time today. I I really do appreciate you coming on the show and sharing some of your insight with with me and my listeners. I I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yes, Jello. Thank you for having me on. I sure appreciate it. And uh, maybe one day I'll get up there and visit with you up there in God's country up there. You betcha. I'll show you some. I'll show you some cool things around here. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, that would be fantastic but the pleasure really was all mine i I really do appreciate you taking the time today and thank you so much and for the listeners if you guys just want to hang around we're going to close out the show stay there and we're back everyone we are back to pull the pin on this one. But before we do that, we got to give a huge thank you to Mr. M.K. Davis for taking the time to come on the show today. I, I don't even know where to start with this one because you know, that audio just kind of blew my mind. And I'm, I was really, really thinking about it the whole the rest of the way through the interview. And I really shouldn't have been doing that. You know, as, as a podcasting host, I probably need to pay more attention to my guests. But I know M.K. said that he doesn't think it, it sounded like language, but Oof, that really sounded like a conversation to me. Um, what, what, what do you guys think? If you want to go back, I believe the timestamp was 39 minutes and 30 seconds when the, we first played the first clip uh, for the first time. Uh, so go back and check that out. I, I believe that's what the time frame timestamp was. And, and tell me what you guys think. Let me know. Because it really sounded like a conversation to me. It, it could have been, you know... E- just nonsensical noises that that these creatures make you know you know uh, much like humans go uh uh, uh like mm-hmm. um you know you know <laughs> i'm doing a terrible job i'm still a little bit freaked out because that audio really really enticed me and i must have listened to it about a hundred times now so 
Wow. Thank you so much, Mr. Davis. I, I sincerely appreciate your time and, and it was great. Thank you so much. And, uh, wow, blew my mind. So thank you. Uh, if you guys haven't noticed, I sound a lot better. I got over my chest cold, believe it or not. I don't have COVID. I got tested. Test result was negative. I guess we were allowed to get normal sick. <laughs> don't tell people that though, because apparently if you, you do, then you're a, you're a pariah and you deserve to be in jail. <laughs> but yeah, I got normal sick for once. It, it, I think it's been like two years since I've actually had a cold since this whole thing started. So whatever it is, it's gone now. I, I feel so much better. So thank you guys for, for reaching out and uh, asking how I'm doing and all that stuff. And I'm fine. I'm good. hundred percent back to normal. Other than, you know, I need to lose some weight, which is going to be my new year's resolution. And and there's going to be big things coming for the podcast this year. I'm going to take that step to finally, you know, push the podcast, you know, past to where it is right now and start doing some more things. So uh, if you guys want to be on the show and you want to share your encounter, email me at nicolavalleybigfoot at gmail.com. That's N-I-C-O-L-A, nicolavalleybigfoot at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you guys and get your stories on the show. Uh, more shows a week. That's what I want to do. I basically just want to come down to do one show. It just kind of isn't doing it for me anymore. I, I want to do more. So I need your help. So, um, right in and, um, l let's see what we can do about getting you on the show. Cause I, I really do want to take the, the podcast to the next level, which is kind of my new year's resolution, but yeah, right in. I'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, let's see what is coming up. Oh, you know what? Saturday show. Speaking of more episodes, we have a Saturday show coming up for you. We have Dean coming on. Let's push this button. We'll see what Dean has to say. On the next episode of the Nicola Valley Bigfoot podcast. And I looked over and there in the marsh coming up to the track was a set of squatch prints. It came from the hardwood right out to the trap. And I was like, holy cow. And uh, so I started looking a little bit closer. Sure enough, they were what I'd always seen pictures of, uh, Bigfoot traps coming right to the trap. So tune into that this coming Saturday. We're going to have Dean come on the show, and he's going to share with us his knowledge and experience with these lovely creatures. So uh, join me then, will you? Uh, let's see. Let's get out of here. Uh, I hope you guys all had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I know 2022 has got to be better than the last two. It has to be. I'm not taking no for an answer this time. <laughs> it has to be better. Got to be. But anyway, I hope you guys all had a very safe and happy New Year's. And, uh, you know, 2022 can only bring us good things. I, I, you know, again, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to jinx it. So I'm not going to say anymore. But please, please. <laughs> But anyway, guys, uh, I'm going to get out of here. So until uh, this Saturday, uh, I'll be talking to you guys later. Bye. Bye.